Welcome to the Accelerated Physics Podcast. It's a show where we talk about teaching and learning physics. I'm Sean Downs for the Poseidon Institute. Welcome to Physics Friday. On Friday, we do an informal lightning review of some recent results in the physics world. On today's show, Myron Fermions retracted, Xenobots, and dark matter in the coma cluster of galaxies. So let's go! First up, Majorana fermions retracted. Hey, what on earth is a Majorana fermion? And what the heck is a fermion? Well, okay, hold up. Let's start at the beginning. The very beginning, with numbers. Physics uses math, particle physics in particular, and the complex numbers are a great entry point into studying these ideas. The complex numbers are like the real numbers that we're all familiar with, but also include the square root of minus one. And while that might seem like an abstraction, these more complicated numbers are physical. They play an important role in quantum mechanics and also in modeling the electric charge. Charged particles like protons or electrons come in antiparticle pairs, those with positive and negative charge. With complex numbers comes complex conjugation, which naturally models these pairs of particles. Electrically neutral particles, like the neutron or even atoms, are actually composed of electrically charged particles, and so also use the complex numbers. Of course, not all particles have complex pairs. The photon, the particle of light, is a boson that's based on the real numbers. One mystery that remains in physics is the possibility of having a real fermion. Fermions are particles like electrons or protons. They are things that take up space and have mass. To date, all observed fermions are complex. None are real. The ghostly neutrino is one such candidate for a real fermion, and those experiments are currently underway. Neutrinos are fundamental particles, but not all particles are fundamental. Atoms are a great example. Holes in semiconductors are another kind of particle example. They're the literal absence of electrons. These days, there's a whole zoo of quasi-particles in modern materials. Just as complex numbers decompose into their real and imaginary parts, so too can complex fermions. And they don't always separate in the way that you'd expect. Theoretical calculations predict that a combination of an electron and a hole can separate, quantum mechanically, into a kind of half-electron, half-hole kind of quasi-particle. If found, such a half-electron, half-hole quantum excitation of the electric structure of graphene would be modeled by a real fermion, otherwise known as a Majorana particle. Modifying graphene, a one-atom thick layer of graphite, was a promising medium to find this elusive Majorana fermion, and recently such an observation was claimed until it wasn't. Those folks who claimed discovery retracted their recent paper. Science is messy. But hey, the race to observe one is likely a race for the Nobel Prize. So to quote Thomas Luton's recent article, quoting condensed matter physicist Shankar Das Sharma, I guarantee you that the Majorana will be seen, because the theory is pristine. This is an engineering problem. This is not a physics problem. Now, from
from the Biophysics Collective Phenomena Beat, Xenobots. Xenobots? Yeah, you know, strange little hopping things. <laughs> okay, wait, let me explain. Multicellular life makes use of specialized cells, and those specialized cells materialize in a mostly predictable pattern that, on average, results in organisms that biologists classify and study. But what happens when that process is disrupted? Philip Ball's recent piece in Quantum Magazine recounts a series of experiments on differentiated frog cells. Skin cells, specifically, were isolated and then left to fend for themselves. Those eventually clustered together, but the collective behavior of the resulting blobs of cells was really surprising. Surprises like their ability to respond to their environment and repurpose cilia for locomotion. As was pointed out in the piece, the experiment was a simple one, perhaps long overdue. I mean, it's been long known that heart cells, when grown in the lab, collectively generate a voltage drop and begin beating, rhythmically, on their own. But these new experiments highlight the importance of collective cellular action, and how flexible it can be. In a way, it puts a new epistemological layer between the cell and the organism, and the associated questions, both scientific and philosophic, will only get more challenging from here. Incidentally, if you haven't seen Doug Blackenson's research website on Xenobots, you should definitely check out the show notes. Okay, and finally, the coma cluster and dark matter. Each week, I write a newsletter for the Poseidon Institute, which is where I get the ideas for a lot of these stories. You should totally subscribe. The newsletter typically opens with stargazing. You know, what planets are out, what constellations or stars are worth checking out this week. And this week's subject was obvious. Everyone in star space was talking about it. The Coma Cluster, a massive collection of stars near Leo the Lion, is high up in the sky, at least at northern latitudes. Now, I didn't make this clear in the newsletter, but the Coma Star Cluster is a bunch of stars in our own galaxy. But in the same direction lies something even more interesting. Deeper in space, tucked behind the star cluster, at least from our perspective on Earth, is a cluster of galaxies. The Coma Cluster of Galaxies has a rich history in modern astrophysics, as it was one of the first case studies in dark matter. As Swiss astronomer Fritz Zwicky pointed out, way back in 1933, the motion of the galaxies in the Coma Cluster are totally inconsistent with their expected mass, even accounting for observational uncertainties. The best theoretical explanation we have so far? There must be a whole bunch of matter that doesn't glow or reflect light. There must be dark matter. And there must be a lot of it. <laughs> well, first of all, okay, how could we even know that? Well, you know, we do know a lot about stars, mostly because there are so many of them, we have a lot of good statistics. Extrapolating our knowledge of stars and our knowledge of the laws of gravity, we can estimate the amount of mass in a given galaxy by its brightness, its shape, and its distance. All three measurements are things that we can definitely take. Plugging all those data into our models of gravitation, the results are clear. The galaxies in the coma cluster are moving as though they were under the influence of some serious extra mass. Other observations, like the famous bullet cluster, have led astrophysicists to the conclusion that dark matter is likely a kind of particle, but it has to be a kind of particle that doesn't really interact with electromagnetic waves, that is, with light. It has to be dark. 
the only particle that we've observed that fits that bill so far is the neutrino. But calculations have shown that it can't really be the neutrino. So it has to be something else, right? Well, we're still looking for what dark matter might be. Meaning experiments are actively underway, looking for different possibilities. One possibility is the weakly interacting massive particle, or WIMP. These would be like big, heavy neutrinos. There was a lot of hope that WIMPs would be related to supersymmetry and would therefore be spotted at the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva, but so far, no dice. Another option is the axion, which are kind of like the opposite of WIMPs. They're numerous and they're tiny, low-mass particles that carry peculiar interactions with the nuclear forces. In all cases, the hope is that these particles interact, however obliquely, with at least one force besides gravity. If particles of dark matter are completely transparent to everything we know, except gravity, obviously, uh, measuring them becomes entirely impractical. And that's our show, and that's the end of our second week on the air. Hey, thank you so much for listening. While we get the Physics Accelerator up and running, why not check out Pesatan.org? We've got links to lecture videos, notes, and more is always coming. Have a great weekend, everybody. And that's our show. The Accelerated Physics Podcast is brought to you by, oddly enough, the Physics Accelerator. The Physics Accelerator is a suite of support services offered by the Poseidon Institute related to learning and teaching physics effectively. One-page reference sheets, problem sets, coaching, and more. If you need a little help with your physics or math, or you're looking to extend your knowledge, please check us out. We're here for students from advanced high school on up, including any adults who want a quick way to refresh their skills. We're here for you at physicsaccelerator.com. The Accelerated Physics Podcast is a production of the Poseidon Institute, whose mission is to build and share physics knowledge without barriers. This podcast aims to serve both students and teachers of physics by injecting ideas and starting conversations. Do you have any ideas or feedback? Hey, drop us a line. This show is made possible in part by the Physics Accelerator, whose mission is to support people in the quest to learn mathematics and physics. The Physics Accelerator is a program of the Poseidon Institute. The show is written, edited, and produced by me, Sean Downs. Thank you so much for listening.